Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Uh, we are here. We have Mike with us again. We have some uh, some news uh, as far as the Wisconsin Badgers are concerned, but we also have some news as far as the Wisco Fanatics are concerned. And we are very excited. So this is going to start January first. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause just for a minute here, just to let a couple people uh, hop into the live show. Uh, to let people get watching so people can hear the special announcement, which assuming they would like to, but um, <laughs> so we're going to have, we're going to have Badger basketball today, Badger football a little bit. We're going to do some early, um, some early transfer portal targets. We are going to do Badgers basketball, Badgers football, uh, Bucks. I don't know why, for some reason, I couldn't think of the other thing that we were talking about today, which is the Bucks. <laughs> So we're doing that. So we're going to start today with our special announcement. And that is that as of January 1st is when this is going to actually start. We will be officially sponsored by Cardboard Legacy, a card shop in Oshkosh. Nick, the owner, is awesome. We've already had a, a great time working with him. He's awesome to work with. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to have our partnership with him for 2024. So Cardboard Legacy is going to be a sponsor of the show and they're also going to be the official sponsor of our play breakdowns. So when Jake and I do play breakdowns starting in January, that is officially going to be sponsored by Cardboard Legacy as well. Um, yeah. And I can say that Cardboard Legacy is going to be the biggest sponsor that we've had for the show. Yeah, uh, Bigger than the sponsorship we have with Parker Johns in 2021. So we're really excited about it. And we're hopeful that uh, as we continue to grow as a show, we can obviously help Cardboard Legacy reach some customers and then hopefully have a sponsorship for 2025 that – continues to grow and leads to more sponsorships and continues and furthers the goal that Jake and I have to, to make the Wisco Fanatics show our full-time job. So that's, that's where we're at. And that's our special announcement. Cardboard legacy sponsor of the Wisco Fanatics show. Yeah. So just give a shout out to Nick. Uh, tremendous guy. Very easy to work with. Very easy to talk to. Like, I feel like if all three of us are talking on camera, which uh, surprise, surprise, he's going to be on a few episodes. Just going to give that spoiler alert out right now. Yeah. Yep. Um, we're cooking up some good ideas. You guys are going to want to uh, 
tune in for those, I would say. But he's very easy to work with, and we can all talk for like four hours. Yeah, like just, the conversation just flows. Like it he's flies. A guy, uh, I'm I am personally going to learn a lot about cards. There's a lot yeah. of tiers, a lot of levels to it. The, yep. the the rare cards. It's just it's going to be crazy. Uh, I am pretty much a newborn to that to that field, um, to that obsession that people love. Uh, I have a guy at work that's really big into baseball cards, and he showed me all his boxes. Dude, he has like 150 unopened boxes of cards. Like that, I'm like, dude, <laughs> you gotta go through your cards. You might have like a a million dollar card in there. You don't even know, all right? You know? Yeah. But uh, gonna be some tremendous stuff. Play breakdowns is gonna be really really fun in the future here. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into this Badger basketball and get this thing rolling. All righty, Taylor. Thank you. By the way, um, <laughs> we're not going to start with Badger basketball. We're going to start with Badger football. Oh, sorry, my fault. Yeah, yeah, cheese of tears. Yeah, <laughs> love it, Taylor. Great comment. Comment of the year. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with Badger football first. I want to get your guys' thoughts. I didn't. We didn't have this prompted, but I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. What are your initial thoughts on Tyler Van Dyke transferring from Miami to Wisconsin? Floor is yours, Mikey. I mean, I like it. I think, you know, the top two names that were, were like on the hot, were on the, like, like the most like notable were Tyler Van Dyke and Daquan. I think Finn, was it like Daquan Finn? Yep. I forget his yep. first Daquan name. Finn. Um, said I but watching, watching a little bit, a little bit of film and very, very little bit. Uh, he's got a, he's got an arm, man, but he's also, he's also does not have a problem putting it in harm's way. It seems like, but this guy has no problem chucking it deep. I think mm-hmm. we're, you know, this season, we didn't really see Tanner Mordecai make too many deep throws for the most part. So I think Longo wants to eventually, you know, make, you know, not just dink and dunk, but, you know, get those occasional deep shots, um, you know, make that more, uh, receptive or more, you know, more part of the offense. So when you watch Van Dyke's film, it's he, he definitely has no problem doing that. Um, throwing it deep. That was the first takeaway. And this is a big dude too. Uh, in, yeah. in comparison yeah. to, you know, Tanner, I mean, this guy, he's like six, five two forty or something along those lines. So the closest, you know, comparison in the, from Wisconsin quarterbacks is Joel Stavi in that, in that regard. He wasn't six, five by any means, but in terms of like build and like, and, and all that, I mean, this is the closest to that. So it's a new breed for sure. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't, I don't think he's going to scramble as much as Tanner did, but I mean, I know that was kind of a knock, but I was, again, there are clip, there is a little bit of film when you do see him scramble a little bit, get some yardage. So it's going to be interesting how, how that uh, works out with him, but I like it. Um, it only, it's only going to make the competition, you know, better, um, mm-hmm. even with a bunch of young guys that we have already. So yep. I do like having like a guy that a guy, you know, coming in, who's got three years starting experience at the end of the day. So, um, you know, maybe that, that's going to bring the breast the best out of, uh, Braden Locke and Nick Evers and, um, Cola crew and all those guys and maybe maybe when, he gets on camp- when he gets on campus. So I like yeah. it. Justin said, great show, except for Jake. It's <laughs> fair. Um, um, I'll say I did look it up. He is listed at six four two thirty. Oh, dang. Okay, thick yeah. boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Can I just be honest with you? Like, who his like, hearing what his play style is and what his body size is, like, who it makes me think of? Who's that? It makes me think of Ben Roethlisberger. That's I'm what I was going. Yeah, I'm fine. Ben, I'm good with that too. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jake. Oh. What are your thoughts on Tyler Van Dyke? So. 
my first initial thought is we get get a guy with experience, which is a good thing, right? Yep. Mike talked about that as well. That's always a good thing. You're never going to go bad, you know, bringing in a guy who has taken a ton of steps, throwing a bunch of touchdowns. Um, this guy can sling it, absolutely. Not afraid to make any throw, which is really the roundabout way of what Mike was trying to say as well. Um, yeah, he just – he goes he goes in there, he takes the damn ball, and he chucks it, and I love it, man. Um, you got to be able to stretch a defense vertically along with horizontally, which obviously we saw the different nuances in the Badgers offense. I don't think we saw it to its full potential. But they are putting, uh, you know, a lot of pressure on, you know, spreading you out horizontally. But we didn't really get to see those vertical shots, you know. And that's something that is going to be needed for the air raid or the dairy raid, whatever the hell you want to call it. We got to be able to stretch the field, okay. That's that's where the light boxes are going to come in. When the Badgers offense kept getting condensed, 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 then you started seeing more people in the box. It was easy, easy to defend us. We need a guy that's going to stretch the field. So those are the two main takeaways that I got from it. I'm absolutely okay with it. I love it. I think he's going to be a, a really good fit, honestly. Yeah, so a couple things. First was Wisconsin and Longo separately wanted Tyler Van Dyke when he was coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. The Badgers wanted him and <laughs> Phil Longo wanted him. I don't remember if he was at Texas A&M or if he was at um, Mississippi State at that point. Carolina or, yeah. Yeah, it was before Carolina because Carolina was last year. But it was some point around there, uh, whether he was at Texas A&M or, or Mississippi State. But they both wanted Tyler Van Dyke out of high school, which means they already have – it's not a big level of familiarity, but there is some familiarity. Like they've already talked. They've already had um, um, meetings and, and discussed recruiting and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's part of it. He does have two years of eligibility because he redshirted as a freshman, and then he's got the COVID year. So he could still have two years uh, of eligibility left. Um, I will say Scary Alvarez did a really good job of bringing this up. He did a about a 10-minute episode on him yesterday. Is that, yes, he had a 29 or 24. No, it was 19 and 12 this year. 19 and 12. Okay. Touchdowns and interceptions this year. In 2021, it was 24 and 6. So the thing with that is, is that he's had three different offensive coordinators in the last three years. That's actually insane. Yeah. Yes. So that, when you bring in the fact that we have Phil Longo here, to me it's just saying that we're we're putting our trust in Phil Longo, that he's a better offensive coordinator than Tyler Van Dyke has had for the last three years, yep. and that we can get back that 24-6 and six version of him. I'm, I'm all for that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then my thing is, my last thing is, is with him having this cannon is next year we don't have Braylon Allen. Yeah. So we don't have to be so married to the run game just because we have a guy who should carry the ball 25 or 30 times. It's fair. Like, obviously, you still want to have good running game, but it doesn't have to be such a like a forced part of the game plan, especially if the passing game is working for you. I think in the future. You know, and Braylon Allen's a bell cow, right? Like you said, he touches it 25, 30 times. Yep. And out of those 25 or 30, probably 25 to 26 of those are straight-up rushes. He may have right. a couple catches. I think in the future we're going to go more towards Aaron Jones-types running backs, dual threats, yep, right? dual threats. Yeah. Uh, guys That's that catch the ball in the backfield, screens. I mean, it, so many motions in football now. I mean, we're going to be motioning out running backs and having wide receivers block for us. I mean, there's yep. a – 
there's a lot of stuff that can change for this Badgers football team in a positive way, not negative way. Yep. You know, Josh is in the comments talking about kicking the nuts to have top wide receivers dip on us. Dude, that's what college sports is now today. Yep. Okay. These yeah. kids have absolute freedom. There's money being thrown around everywhere that we don't get to see yep. and we barely get to hear about it. I don't care. If they put on a red W for us for a year, I'm going to love them for a whole entire yep. year. And that's, and that's just what it is. That's what I said about Braylon Allen is like having having guys opt out of bowl games means that we have good talent on the field. 100%. Um, Josh asked, does Chez get another year? Is he done? I believe because he had the injury, I believe he can come back for another year. He can, but there's no – I've heard nothing about – if if none of us have heard yeah, anything about nope. if he's actually coming back or not. So right. I'm sure he's still getting feelers for from NFL feedback and all that too before he makes a final decision. I so. heard a <laughs> I heard a rumor that there was like a this big of a chance, like this big of a chance that he could come back for the bowl game, but I don't think it's going to happen. But the, the chances – dude, I'm saying like less than 5%, but I heard it was a possibility. That'd be that wild. would actually be wild. That would, if he would be able to come back, like this is a hundred percent hypothetical. If he's able to come back and he balls out against LSU, you know what that does for his draft stock? Yeah, then he, yeah, then he might not come back next year. Shit, if he he goes to that and then he goes to the Senior Bowl, gets like an invite to the Senior Bowl and goes crazy there. Yeah, never know. He might be a flyer guy late in the seventh round, you know, because oh, yeah. he's got injury history or a a camp invite. Those guys make the league all the time. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see it. Uh, as far as wide receivers transferring out, Keontes Lewis, not a super big surprise. Skylar Bell, a little bit of a surprise, but not a huge one. And Kimmeray DK is almost exactly the same as what Isaac Carendo did last year, Yep, where he's one guy in a group of guys, and I think he wants to take a shot on a one-year grad transfer to try to make the league. I mean, we got to remember, too, with, with – I'm going to – specified DK in this case, his numbers compared to, you know, the season before and even the season before that were dipped a little bit. So I'm sure that also played a factor as well. Um, You know, in the regular, in the Wisconsin offense, you know, prior to this last season, he was like the one go-to guy, right? This year, you know, it's spread around, you know, we, we got, we had five, six different dudes catching footballs for us. And uh, unfortunately there was times where he got went games without even getting a catch for us. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I'm still happy with, with Jim. I, I respect his decision. He gave four yep. years to this program and was very productive too, uh, for yep. the most part. So that that's totally fine with me. I get where he's coming from, and uh, yep. no, I'm looking. I'm you know just looking forward to bringing in more guys that may be more predicated to what we're running now at the end of the day. Absolutely. So. On that note, Mike, why don't you give us your three guys? Right. So I guess. You know, I went by positions of like what we could really use. And then like, I tried to be a little realistic on, okay, can we actually get these guys or not right. in some retrospect? So the first guy I've, I've, I've put down, um, I, D Lyman, um, you know, rushing defense is one of our biggest flaws, I would say last year as a defense. So I got Joey yep. Slackman, the D Lyman from Penn, um, in 28 games, 115 tackles, uh, 25 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, two forced fumbles and eight quarterback hits. Um, specifically, he had one really good year this past year, and he's got one year of eligibility. Just bringing in so, some more depth and, you know, experience at the end of the day to this D-line, I think, is what we're going to need. Um, Jamil Howard's the one, like, highest, like, like big prospect we're kind of, like, 
okay, when's he going to make the, the next move for this this group? Because he's got a lot of hype on him, but he's only a freshman, right? I'm pretty sure he he redshirted this year, so he's got no experience. I think Curtis Neal's the one other nose guard that's coming back next year that has a little bit of experience as well. Um, but, no, we need to fill up the depth in that room, and I think a guy like who's got two solid years of um, experience is only going to help that room. Yeah. Uh, rattle, rattle them all off. Oh, Give us yeah, all okay. Three, right? Perfect. All right. All cool. Three. So I went tight end, uh, in my second position, uh, tight ends, definitely a group, um, position that the batters need to build depth on for sure. Uh, especially with Rucci being gone. Uh, Riley Nowakowski was banged up most of the year. Uh, Jack Pugh's no longer with the team. Um, in the, and so, yeah, we got to build up some depth. So I got the tight end transfer from LSU, Jackson McGowan, um, He's originally from Miamisburg, Ohio. So this staff, I would think, has some sort of familiarity with him. Um, He was part of a three tight end class at LSU in 2023. So I think that was, I don't know, I think he just realized maybe I don't have as much of an opportunity here. Uh, Three years of eligibility. Senior year of high school, this is pretty interesting. Um, 941 yards receiving, 12 touchdowns. So I think when you think of stats like that, you think, okay, this could be predicated to, you know, a a long go offense where you want to get tight ends out in space and and make plays. So uh, I think that's another guy that could uh, help us out quite a bit. So, um, and my last, and my last guy here, I went wide receiver Um, again with like the guys transferring out. I think we could definitely use a guy with experience. So I went Donovan McCulley out of uh, the university of Indiana um, last year he had 48 catches, 644 yards and six touchdowns specifically against Wisconsin. He had five catches, 67 yards and a touchdown, right? Um, you know, he won to two years of eligibility. The real, the real big call out I had with McCulley is that he's got a big frame. He's six, five, two twenty. The batters could use a guy with a big frame, um, um, playing wide receiver because uh, most of our bright spots, if you think about it, were in the slot, right? You know, Vinny Anthony, uh, obviously Will Pauling got, making plays. I guess even Skylar Bell, too, from time to time in the slot making plays. So uh, we got this. It seems like we got the slot position figured out. We definitely need to get that guy on the outside uh, with the hopefully with, with a big frame like this. And I think he would fit in like a glove. So that's why I brought him up. Um, Taylor asked what happened to Rucci. I think he's actually still undecided. Yeah, nothing said. Oh, Hayden. Well, Hayden's grad graduating, but Nolan hasn't um, indicated any sort of um, with transferring okay. out or anything like that. Not okay. to my knowledge, but Hayden should be is done after this this bowl game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jake, who are your three early transfer portal targets? All right. So I didn't go super realistic, but I went with need, and I went with guys that I really think fit the Badgers new offense and new defensive schemes. So my first guy is a guy from the University of Houston. Hi, Daniel. He is 6'1", 325 pounds. His name is Jamar Caldwell. This guy plays a zero tech, and he absolutely eats up blockers and allows linebackers to roam freely. You want to talk about run defense? That is the name of the game, right? Freeing up your linebackers so they can make tackles. The Badgers' future version of C.J. Slayton right there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Like I said, 6'1", 325 pounds. Uh, this last boy. year, <laughs> he's he's not small, and the jersey is tight. Um, <laughs> something I learned as a young kid is my dad told me if you want to really understand how big somebody is, look at how small the number looks on them. And I'm going to tell you right now, that number looks real small. There's a lot of red on that jersey. 
Um, <laughs> please come to Wisconsin. <laughs> um, he had 27 total tackles last year, 22 of them solo, eight and a half tackles for loss, and six and a half sacks at 325 pounds. I'll take that. Please Damn. and thank you. Um, so, Jamar Caldwell from Houston, please. My next one, I also went wide receiver because I agree. We need somebody on the outside. And I went with somebody who is a similar body style and play style to Bryson Green because I feel like Bryson Green could be an X-Factor guy. So let's get two of them, right? 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a wide receiver from Vandy. His name is Will Shepard. I fucking love Will yeah. Shepard. Thank you for putting him on I've your list. I love Will Shepard. Yeah, he's got really good body control. Uh, he attacks the ball when it's in air. He, he has uh, pretty, pretty good quickness for a guy his size. Um from 2021 to 2023, so this season, he has totaled up 150 catches, 2,037 yards, and 21 touchdowns. Plain and simple, the guy can win one-on-ones. We got we got a guy in Van Dyke. He likes to sling the ball, right? Let's put two 6'3 guys out there. We're going to have Will Pauling dominating the middle of the field. Let's spread everybody out. Let's just cause havoc. Why not, right? Yep, love that. So my last one. Been trying to practice his goddamn last name all day. I'm gonna mess it up, so I apologize. He's a safety from the University of Clemson. He's six foot, 195 pounds. His name is Andrew Mukubu. Mukuba. Mukubu. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get it right. I promise. I'm horrible at names. YouTube name. is your friend, my buddy. <laughs> I know, but I try to just like figure it out by myself by sounding it out. You know. Um, I don't trust that anymore. I don't trust sounding it out because it's like the word baloney is just enough to never be like, okay, I'm just going to try to pronounce, you know, I'm just going to pronounce it, you know, pronounce this how it looks. Oh, that's not at all how you say that? All right. Yeah. The, the English language, you want to talk about things that are drunk in America, the English language is number yeah. one. Um, but back to Andrew. Andrew is a tremendous player. Uh, he started as a freshman in 2021 uh, all the way through this season. He's recorded 143 total tackles. Uh, four and a half tackles for loss. He has a sack, 16 passes defense, one interception, two fumble recoveries. Uh, the guy attacks the ball. He could be your center fielder. Uh, I think we're going to need a guy that could be a playmaker on the back end of this defense as we're going to be probably loading up in the front seven. So, Yeah, Hunter Wohler is another guy who hasn't made a decision either. So yeah. batters could potentially need some safeties. So like you guys, I also went positions of need. I went to tight end. An edge rusher and a running back. Ooh, edge rusher. That's a good one. So the first one, Jake, this is what I was telling you last night when we were when we were going through the we watching the Packer game. I'm like, I really want to tell you about this guy. Like, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> My first one is Jordan Waters. He's a running back from Duke. Okay. Ooh. This dude is six foot, 219 pounds. Yeah. He's an NFL body. Yeah. So he had 142 carries for Duke this year. 745 yards, that's 5.2 yards per carry. Pretty good. 3.4 of those 5.2 were after contact. That is outstanding. Dude, 3.4 yards per carry after contact is nuts. Screams Wisconsin. (laughs) Fucking hell, let's get that guy here. (laughs) Um, He also had 12 touchdowns. He's elusive, but he's also not afraid to lay the wood. Yep. So... Like that part of it kind of reminds me of Braylon Allen a little bit, but he's got the NFL body. And then as far as pass catching goes, he didn't have a lot of receiving work at Duke, but uh, in his career, he's been targeted 36 times and he's caught 29 of them. 
And of those seven incompletions, he only has two drops. Okay. So on 36 targets, only two drops in his career. I'm I'm willing to say that he could have a a role as a potential dual threat quarterback or running back. I mean, yeah, Um, maybe maybe he comes here because he wants to showcase that. You never know. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing on Jordan Waters, he only has one career penalty. Not that running a lot of them. Gotta love it. He's been playing for three years. He only has one penalty in his career. I like that. We need that at Wisconsin. We need discipline. Yeah. Oh, my exactly. God. That that's a, That is an immediate need. <laughs> yeah. So my second one, tight end, Jake Johnson. Mike already brought up where you need to build the depth of tight end between transfers and injuries. Jake Johnson, he just looks like a badger. He's he a does. former four-star recruit from Texas A&M. He had 24 receptions for 235 yards and four touchdowns. In 2023, uh, he's an okay blocker, but another guy, 34 targets, only one drop. Mm. And then also at the tight end position, he was four for nine on contested catches. That's 44%. That's, I will that's take that. really that's good, good for contested catches. Yeah. Anything anything over like 35, 40 is, is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. My last one, edge rusher, uh, Tyler Barron from Tennessee. Uh, he played 444 defensive snaps last year, only missed two tackles. So he has a 92.3% tackle rate. That's a good percent. I like that. I'd love to have yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And then he also had 41 quarterback pressures on 251 pass rushes. That is 16.3%, hmm. which, is, which is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. So let's just get every player we just named, and yeah. we're gonna have a freaking super stack team next year. <laughs> yeah, uh, be, let's go be some. Let's go recruit, boys. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, yeah, let's do it. And then let's also let's bring in uh, Bryson Green's brother. He's transferring out of Oklahoma State, also. So yeah, did see that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Start the brother. Start the brother trend here as well, because Landon Locks coming to Wisconsin. So I like get, it. Get both of the Greens here. Start some brothers. You know, we've had success. You know, with three brothers that we, you know, all played here. I mean, those guys were okay. Yeah. Um, Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else you guys want to say on transfer targets? The window is open until January 3rd. And then there's another window open from April 15th to April 30th. That's when guys can uh, officially declare for the transfer portal. The NCAA also announced today that they're not going to uh, hold out any eligibility for guys who have transferred a second time. Uh, that is only goes for 2024, though. They haven't said that that's going to be indefinite, so it's not like guys are just going to be able to bounce around every year. It's just for this season that they're allowing guys who have transferred multiple times to play immediately. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I think should be allowed anyways. I mean, we're allowing them to get paid now. Allow them to decide their future. It's their life. Well, I, I like it, too, that they did for last year. They put the rule in that if a coach leaves – that you can transfer without any penalties also. Um, So like all the players from Oregon state that are transferring out, it's like they shouldn't be forced to stay there because their coach went to take the Michigan state job. Right. If they they went there to play for that coach, they shouldn't be to stay at that school when the coach that they came there to play for is leaving. I feel like the NCAA did that. I agree. All right. You guys ready to switch to basketball? Let's do it. Got to get it done. Yeah, so, okay, here's the thing. The Badgers didn't win against Arizona, but between last week and the week before with the rankings, they beat Michigan State and then lost to Arizona, so they stayed at number 23, which I think is fair. Yeah. 
I think it's 100%. fair to lose for the number one team and to not move after beating Michigan State, which was a team that was ranked in the top five early in the season. But Jake, talk to me about Pate defense and aggressiveness. All right. Let's uh, settle down the frustration. It's been a few days since this game happened. But every time I look at that score, I'm just like, what in the hell? Yeah. <laughs> um, Arizona is phenomenal. Good. And you want to talk about transfer portal. Uh, the transfer portal for Arizona this year was very kind. Yep. Um, <laughs> just give you one of the, the best players off a of San Diego State team last year. I mean, that guy is a monster. Caleb Love is a stud. Yeah. Caleb Love is a monster, too. Um, yeah, they're, they're just good. Um, so talking about paint defense, points in the paint, Wisconsin had 32 and, and Arizona had 42. Um, 19 of the 42 uh, are fast break points, and a lot of that I feel like was in the paint. So talking about Arizona and the paint specifically, the Badgers just – and I'm going to couple this because the, the, the reason that I picked my two topics is because they go hand in hand. My second topic is aggressiveness, and I feel like a team like the Badgers, and Tyler, I was talking to you about this the other day, um, is I feel like a team like the Badgers, we keep talking about all the experience they're getting back, right? They brought back 92% of the scoring, and we keep hearing about that. And I'm just going to make this about all sports. We talk about the Packers, right? And everybody's asking the question, why can the Packers not play run defense, no matter the defensive coordinator? It's a goddamn mindset. I'm sorry, but it is. Look at Culture the is a real thing. They just lost their defensive coordinator. Did they get worse on defense? Absolutely not. They play the same exact style. They rush four people, they stop the run, and you don't pass on them. They will hit you yep. in the mouth and make you apologize for it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Wisconsin yeah, right. Badgers, I don't know what it is with this state. But the teams in this state just do not play aggressively. Like you saw the Packers over their three game. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. You saw the Badgers over or the Packers over the three game win streak. That defense was flying yeah. everywhere, and it seemed like when when Anthony Johnson Jr. got on the field and he was smacking people in the mouth, that was when it was like, all right, this team's got a chance. They got a little edge to them, right? The Wisconsin Badgers basketball switching back to them. They have all this experience. Why are we getting punched in the mouth and not punching back? Yeah. That is unacceptable in my world. Can I say something? I think that I think that harkens back to what Greg Gard said about Stephen Crowell and Tyler Wall earlier in the year. I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Crowell is a guy, in my opinion, where if he has success early in the game, if he shoots a three and he makes it, or – he gets a couple tough rebounds, and he 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 understands in his brain that he could deal with the banging. He's gonna have a good game. Yeah. But if he gets bullied a little bit in the first couple of minutes, I'm not gonna lie to you, he might go into a shell. And Arizona, one hundred percent from the tip, they went right at us. Yes, and they, they said, did. You're not gonna stop us. You're gonna pretend you could stop us, and we're gonna keep coming at you until you realize that you're not going to stop us. See, I go back to a quote when I talk about aggressiveness from Marshawn Lynch. You guys remember this? He said, I'm not going to say the, the whole swear word, but I want to run somebody over. I'm going to run them over again. Yeah. I'm going to run them over again. I'm going to run through them. 
I'm going to run them over again. I'm going to run them over again. And you know what the point is? I'm going to continue to run you over until you get the hell out of my way. And that's what Arizona did to Wisconsin, dude. So the Wisconsin Badgers, they have an identity crisis. Yeah. Steve said the aggressor usually wins. They do. Okay. Let me say this. It's controlled aggression. I'm not we're saying not, we're not playing Draymond Green type aggression. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But let's be real here. You could tell the team that was like you just look at the 50-50 balls, right? Mm-hmm. How many 50-50 yeah. balls did Arizona get? And don't tell more me that they're 50. that much quicker than us. Because I don't want to hear that. We have quick players too. We have fast players too. Mm-hmm. But the, the Arizona played more aggressive, in my opinion. Now, yeah. that may have something to do with them playing at home. I'm not going to give the Badgers that excuse because, again, we keep harping on the experience of this team. So I really need the Badgers to look themselves in the face and be like, okay, we got to be more aggressive. We got to do the punching once in a while. And I talked about this with the football team too, man. So somebody's got to get up in this damn room and play aggressive and be aggressive from tip, man. And it's sad to say, but Blackwell might be the only guy. Yeah, that's perfect way to transition. Perfect way to transition. Yep. Mike's gonna talk about John Blackwell. Oh man. So yeah. Oh, my up, my good. Yep. Yep. Have at it. All right. Cool. So yeah, what Jake was saying was talking about you know aggressiveness, paint D. Um, you you know one of the biggest things. What it and this has been a problem not just this year but last year as well. It's finishing around the rim. You know, we were 13 of 24 in this game, finishing around the rim, right? That's 54%, 54. 54.1%, 13 of 24. I I couldn't believe it. I didn't think it was that bad, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You know, when we we struggled against, I think it was Tennessee this year, and and it was in Providence as well, same same damn thing. And I get it, this is the number one team in the country, and they definitely punched us in the mouth here. But, I mean, when you go 3 of 10, Tyler Wall, I'm talking to you. You went three of 10 around the rim. That is absolutely not acceptable in my view. Steven Krause started out one and four. Jake, you just talked about when, when he goes into a shell, he kind of, you know, it, when he start when he starts off, like not having the greatest game, he kind of, you know, he hides he, a little he, bit. Like he yeah. shrinks. Like it's, it's like a, not literal shrinking, but like a mental shrinking. And then yeah. it, and play like he's literally shorter. Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah. So, unfortunately, this is kind of the Achilles heel with this team right now as we speak because we've talked about this numerous times. This isn't just because we're playing the number one team in the country. This is something that's been lingering with this team for a while. Um, you know, I, I personally love we, – we do play hard for the most part too, but at the end of the day, you still have to execute on stuff like that. So, um, you know – it's something that needed to be called out because again, it's not just, you know, this game, it's been a problem with this team, um, you know, going back from since last season. So um, 13 and 24 is not going to cut it. Um, this is going to need to be a get right moment, especially these next two games before we got Iowa coming to town for sure. Um, so yep. it's simple things like that, that we have to clean up and, um, you know, be prepared for before, like I said, before Iowa gets to town. So, so and then like with, before- with this show, before you talk about John Blackwell, I just want to answer yep. a couple questions. Talk. Sure. So Steve asked, is it a recruiting issue? Timid players won't be able to flip the switch. I don't think it's necessarily a recruiting issue. I think it's just the type of players. Like the Badgers bring in big guys that have the ability to stretch the floor. 
and spread the offense around. You know, it's, and I'll say this, as far as recruiting goes, I think they need to do something kind of similar to 2021 where we had Stephen Crowell, but then we had Chris Vogt who could come in and play and just be big. He was the muscle. Yeah. He was, it was a perfect, it was a perfect like starter backup. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe if the, if the Badgers can do something like that next year where they can grab a guy from the transfer portal of, of a big beefy guy, just to stand in the middle of the floor when Nolan winter needs a break. I think that's something they could look into because I think it worked well. Chris, especially it seemed like every game he grabbed like three offensive rebounds. Yeah. Uh, And if you could put Nolan winter at the four, like when get that big beefy dude at the five, that that sets up to be pretty deadly. That's six eleven, and then hopefully, you know, Stephen or seven foot, a seven footer, right? So, right. and that could bring up the possibility of those two of Crawl and Winter playing together at times. You know, yep. rotate that. You know, because I don't think Nolan Winter is a um a true five at this time. So, no. if you can get tough. him at, at, yeah. So it, I, that's definitely something we could talk about. You know, towards the end of the year for portal needs, but I think that's obviously one that yeah. could be addressed right. for sure. And then the other thing was Taylor said, I don't understand why in Wisconsin we can't be big and aggressive. We can't be big old teddy bears. That's I'll say this. The guys that we usually get to be aggressive are usually forwards. Like Tyler Wall is aggressive, but he's only six nine. Like AJ Store is athletic. He's six seven. Chucky Hepburn, he can be very aggressive. He's what, six two? Yeah. So I mean, John we Black just don't have big it. aggressive yeah. centers, is really the thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can be aggressive as a guard, right? Press right. up on people, uh, force the issue a little bit. Yeah. I mean, speed them up that way, too. I mean, that, that's a way that Chucky Hepburn could, you know, change his play style on defense. Instead of, you know, being comfortable in, in your comfort zone, mm-hmm. get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's a life lesson for you as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so get comfortable being uncomfortable, Chucky, and make their life hell, man. You have 40 minutes to abuse somebody, man. Go do it. Because I know you're talking talent. about all Wisconsin teams, and I'll say there's there's different aspects to all of them that are aggressive. Um, I don't know that I agree that Carter Gilmore seems timid. He's just another guy who's a little undersized because he on plays offense, hard. Timid on defense, yeah. he's aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as as far as all the Wisconsin teams go, like there's no way that we don't describe Giannis as aggressive. I mean, Brooke Lopez defensively <laughs> aggressive. Hey, hey, let's not disrespect my man Brooke. He's taking people off the dribble, dog. Hey, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, I will say, as far as like the Packers are concerned, I think they are a little bit more of a finesse team, and that's just that's just something that kind of you have kind of one of the other. Um, baseball, there's just not a lot of aggressiveness in baseball, to be honest with you. Um, I will say, yeah, uh, I will say Devin Williams changeup, that's aggressive. I, I would feel personally victimized if I had to face Devin Williams as strange up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the Packers, their 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 play style is finesse. That's just how their play style is. Their play style is for speed. Uh, speed isn't really aggressive. I would say, in my opinion, speed is about getting past people, not getting through people. In my opinion, that's fair. I mean, Jaden Reed looked pretty aggressive, and he's fair. Hey. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it's. <laughs> I guess, I mean, you bring it up, A.J. Dillon, he can be aggressive at times. So, and and just to bring this back to the Badgers, I think it's just about having, you know, some complimentary players that can help you change the pace. 
And that's where, like I mentioned, the Chris Bolt from from two years ago, like having a guy who could come in was a different complementary style to your starter. I think that's where it works out. And to Mike's next point, I think John Blackwell is a guy like that that you bring off the bench and has a complementary play style to the other guys. So, Mike, go ahead and talk about John Blackwell. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of uh, negative things in this game. There's no question about that. But if we're since we're a positive show, uh, we had to bring up the one bright spot for sure, and that was John, John Blackwell. Uh, yeah. First off, second time this year, freshman of the week in the Big Ten. Back to back, wasn't it? Was it I think he skipped a week. Oh, he skipped yeah. a week. But he's in very good company with some other freshmen at Wisconsin. Brad Davison, I believe, got it three times. Bronson Kane got it a couple times. Nigel Hayes, Nigel Hayes got it three times. I think Brad got it twice, and Bronson got it twice. And I'm pr- pretty sure jo- Josh Gosser might have got it at some point too. Uh, oh, but no, yeah. he's in ver- he's in very good company with those dudes. Obviously, yeah. they all had great careers at Wisconsin. So uh, first call right there. Um, you know, second, you know, he, he's getting more more playing time. I mean, 26 minutes. I think that that's got to be a, a career high for him so far. If not, it's pretty close. Uh, you know, six to 12 from the field, four or five from three, 17 points total, seven rebounds. So damn near double, double and two assists. So, um, you, you know, he was definitely the one, the one bright spot of all these guys, especially in the second half when, you know, things aren't going right. You know, he, he was the one dude who kept his motor going the whole, whole time, no matter what, um, if you, you want to, I don't, I don't even want to call it garbage points, but maybe some of it was, but at the end of the day, the biggest call out I think should be of how, how hard he played given the circumstances being down, you know, 20 to 25 points, because it, it can be easy to, you know, just give up and just you know, say, Hey, move on to the next one. But I mean, you know, Tyler's brought it up on this show before. Maybe he's pushing for that starting job. Maybe he is, you know, closer than what we think, right? So I'm thinking maybe in the back of his mind, he's like, hey, man, let me show showcase my skills. Let me get some more film in front of the coaching staff, show them that I can do this. And, um, you know, it won't – it'll put your mind at ease once you put, do put me into that role. So um, just to end it with that. And uh, I guess since no one talked about it, if you want to make one more bright spot, we did have 32 bench points, even though he had 17 of them. So, um, <laughs> shout out, shout out to the bench and Car- our boy Gilmore got seven of the, seven of those. Yeah. Love to see that. I will say two things. One, I wanted to bring up the bench as well. Blackwell almost outscored Arizona's bench by himself. Arizona's bench only had 21 points, but yeah. it didn't matter because their starters had 77 points. Well, they left their starters in until there was two and a half. Minutes yeah. Left their starters the outscored our entire team. So, I mean, they, they left, I, you know, when I was watching that game, I was like, bro, you're up by like. 30 points dude pull the damn plug (laughs) yeah stop my misery you know (laughs) but um putting black on the starting lineup i'm starting to come around to it a little bit more Uh, i didn't want to like force him into a role that he wasn't comfortable with but man he might be even better if he gets into the game right away and instead of waiting when everybody's all you know in rhythm and shit um you put him on the floor that gives you another ball handler that can attack the rim so i Mm -hmm. I like that idea Dude, and, and they, the other thing they was clearly Blackwell. trust him both ways. Like, yeah, they clearly yeah. trust him on both sides of the ball, um, especially like in the Wisconsin program, right? Like, what yeah. what do you have to do? You have to play defense, or you're not going to mm-hmm. sniff the goddamn yep. floor, right? He talked um, about it in the preseason. Yeah, and he's one of the more I would I would put it out there and say he's one of the more. If we're going to talk about aggressiveness, you know that that dude was getting after it the whole time against Arizona. So um, yep. I think everyone's like there's nobody should have any sort of a knock on him whatsoever on this team. 
yeah. shows it on both sides of the ball how good he can, how good you know he can be. So, um, yeah, I I would be for it at this point. The last thing I'll say about John Blackwell is he's also a very very willing cutter. Yeah. yeah. On offense, every time he passes the ball, boom, he's cutting. And that's why it works really well when him and Tyler Wall run a two-man game because Tyler Wall, as as much as he likes to back down and dribble, he's I'll say he's a pass-first player. He is. So when when him and John Blackwell are running a two-man game, John Blackwell enters the ball to the post, Tyler Wall, and he cuts. If his man is a step behind, Tyler Wall is giving him a bounce pass for a layup. It happened yep. several times against Michigan State. Yep. yep. Um, Mike, I did pull it up. 26 minutes ties his season high from the Providence game. Okay. So both yep. games where the Badgers were losing by double digits, he got 26 minutes. But other than that, he played 20 against Michigan State. 22 against SMU are his other two highest point or minute totals. Okay. I wonder uh, – we were talking about, you know, conflicting play styles a little bit, kind of yin-yang kind of stuff. And I, in my opinion, I think that Gus Yeldon is a guy that could, you know, be aggressive. Uh, he's got kind of an old school throwback kind of feel to him where he likes to bang down low. And yep. he also still has the new school ability to kind of step out and take you off the dribble, face you up. Right. Um, I wonder if we're going to see him uh, in either of these next two games that are like, I don't want to say cupcake. I don't want to use that word, but they are kind of. Um, before we get into the conference play, I wonder if we're going to see him. Uh, I would like to see what he's got on the floor. Yeah, I want to see his footwork in action in red and white. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, my two takeaways against the Arizona uh, Wildcats. First one, the pace of play. So we came out of this gauntlet of three games against Marquette, Michigan State, and Arizona, two and one. We would all take that. Obviously, okay. you know, you want to end on the high note, but I'll take two out of three in that stretch. Mm-hmm. That said. And the Badgers wins over Michigan State and Marquette. The Badgers were able to control the pace of the game. Arizona was better and able to keep the game fast, and that's really what allowed them to build their big lead. They were able to dictate the style of play, the pace of play. Yep. And then secondly, rebounding. Arizona won the rebounding battle 37-24, to and Wisconsin had six offensive rebounds. So 25% of the Badgers' rebounds were offensive rebounds. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that ain't good. And that really goes to show to me that Wisconsin had a lot of one and done possessions. When you looked at the fact that the Badgers had 41 missed field goals and six offensive rebounds, that's 35 one and done possessions. Yikes. That's a lot. Yikes. So that's my things. And then looking at it, the Badgers only have one game between now and next Wednesday. They play Jacksonville State tomorrow. Uh, I'm not sure how you end up with a Jacksonville state, given that the fact that Jacksonville is a city, not a state, but that being said, Mike, what are your two goals for tomorrow night's game? Number one, just to get right. Um, And when I say I'll elaborate a little bit, a lot of players just need to get back to what they do best, right? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm talking, you know, <laughs> season four. Um, yeah, that's another another one too. I was gonna say say Tyler Wall and Stephen Crawl again because they yep. are two of the leaders on this team, whether they like it or not. Yep. Um, you know, we just gotta clean up like around around the rim. Uh, keep doing and just get more practice on that because it's been an Achilles heel, as I said earlier, for this team. It really has been when you look at it for during the season and last year as well. And I kind of, yeah, Tyler, you kind of hit it on the head. I said, uh, well, I wrote down, we need to test out more combinations. And that could mean, you know, a siege and more playing time for him to get some reps down. I still don't, I'm still not convinced. Is he actually a hundred percent or what the deal is with that? Uh, it seems like it's always just open to interpretation. Like I think he's closer for this last month. So I don't. So we'll see. I would like this is going to be a good opportunity, I think, and I think the coaches would agree to get him out on the floor, get him into some rhythm, and just you know get some target practice or in this case shooting practice to you know get yep. more threes up because there. I said it last week. We there is going to be a time where we need to have that Connor Asijin game during yep. Big Ten play because if you play a team like a Purdue when we're just going to get smacked around the inside and probably not have the best night for our bigs. We're going to need guys like Connor Asijin to, you know, bail us out a few times when the shot clock might be running down and just hit some threes for us. So, or just um, no, I, I, yeah. And then I guess I, I also wrote down as a goal. I, well, it was more so of a question, not a goal. Test out Blackwell as a starter. That was my last comment. <laughs> if that happens, I got to go back to what? Early November when I said that, um, John Blackwell's goal should be to take Max Cosman's starting spot. If, I, if that happens, man, I'm about to go back and be like, look what I pulled. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But at the end of the day, I just want our guys to, to get right um, these ne- this next game and then the next week. I know it, but, um, you know, because a lot of players need to get back to what their roots are and what they're good yeah. at and just not shy away just because we had one bad game out in Tucson. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what are your two goals for tomorrow night? So one – I want us to play even faster. I think that this team is built to play faster. So I want us to push the pace a little bit more, look for early early uh, opportunities. Obviously, we know that if we can't push the ball and there's no opportunities and, the te- and Jacksonville State's getting back, we can run a swing offense. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? Both of my goals are on offense, by the way. Okay? okay. The second one, I already talked to Tyler about this. I was going to give him credit because he was bringing up John- – they run pick and rolls with John Blackwell and, and Tyler Wall, which I love. Why can we not do that with AJ Store? Why do we always have to just, you know, predictably go into the Wisconsin swing offense? Let's, you know, call some plays, Greg Gard. Everybody spread the hell out. 
We have a six-seven guy that can fly. We're gonna make, play a two-man game. If this big goof wants to switch on you, you fly past him and you dunk it. Otherwise, you're gonna collapse the defense. How many years in a row have we talked about getting into the teeth of the defense and breaking them down from the inside? I don't know how many. Like it's 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 not rocket science, okay? In football, you need to run the damn ball, okay? Set up the pass. That's just how it works. I don't care if you have Dan Marino throw for 5,000 yards. You still have situational football where you have to run the ball. In basketball, you have to control the paint. Yep. If you have no control over the paint, you're done, okay? Call it a day. Move on to the next one. We need to get A.J. Store in the paint, use his athletic ability and his length to our advantage. He doesn't need to be taking contested mid-range jumpers all game, okay? Everybody's right. complaining about his field goal percentage. Yeah, he's shooting over a guy every damn time. That's right. hard, by the way. Or from three feet behind the three-point line. Right. Like, let's get him going with momentum towards the rim and actually use his God-gifted abilities. Yeah. I like it. So, mine, I have I have two pretty simple ones. There's one on offense, one on defense. My first one is to replicate the offense from the uh, Arkansas State game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, scoring 105 points would be cool. But my okay. thing with this is, is the balance of it. So, Chucky Hepburn, 20 points. AJ Store, 15. Klesmet, 14. Crowell, 9. Wall, 8. Blackwell, 12. Lindsey, 8. Nolan Winter, 6. Gilmore, 4. Seijin, 4. Ilver, 3. McGee, 2. That's basically everybody that played more than two minutes scoring. It's like balance. It's everybody on the floor is a threat. And it goes back to Stephen Crowell. I didn't talk about this, but there were times during this game where it's like, Stephen Crowell, face the basket like you are a threat to score. I'm going to lose my shit if I see Stephen Crowell continuing to catch the ball facing the sideline. My God. Face the basket. Then, two, replicate the defense against Marquette. The Badgers dug the hell in against Marquette and and even into the Michigan state game where they had leads and the teams came back. Marquette cut the lead down to one Michigan state, cut it down to three. Um, And the Badgers responded both times by getting stops on defense. It wasn't that the teams got close and then the Badgers were like, Oh, we need to score a bunch and get back our lead. They dug in on defense and let the offense take care of itself. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is to me more the identity of the Badgers. Is, is getting defense and getting yeah. stops and yeah. limiting teams' points, not trying to outscore teams. That's not the Badgers' game. Like, I brought up the Arkansas State game, but that is clearly an outlier. If you if you don't think so, go back to watch that show because I brought up stats that have happened, happened since, like, the 80s, 70s right. with that game. Yeah. So <clears throat> replicate the defense that you had against Marquette. Mm-hmm. Control the pace of play, which is something I brought up in the last two weeks. And I think the Badgers will be fine once conference play rolls around. Agreed. All righty. Mike, we will see you again next Wednesday. And I'm sure we will uh, we will have bowl prep. That I can say for sure. Steve said situational play, defense stops, spur offense because of momentum. Absolutely. Uh, situational play is definitely a thing. Uh, we will have a bowl preview coming up. Uh, not next week, but probably in the coming weeks here. Um, so then we'll have Mike back for that as well. Other than that, Mike, we will have you back for another basketball game next week and we will see you then. Sounds good, fellas. Hopefully talk about some more transfers too. Hopefully yes. that we can, yeah, we can yeah. land between now and then.
But uh, yeah, you guys have a good night. Some more bat signals would be great. Yes, sir. (laughs) Have a good one, Mike. Later. Later. (laughs) All righty. So Jake and I have two more basketball games to talk about on the Bucks. Uh, First, we're going to start with our power pair and underrated performer. So Jake, go ahead and give me your power pair and underrated performer. I want you to do yours first because yours ties into mine. So. Okay. So after I do this first guy, I have a question to ask you. Okay. Okay. I didn't tell you about this on purpose because I wanted to get your real reaction. And I want the, the fans to appreciate your knowledge. Okay. Oh, okay, great. You, hey, you did hey, don't do that. Don't act <laughs> all humble now. You know you know your shit. So Giannis out at a kumbo is mine this week. Next week yep. we'll go back to Tyler because he's gonna be on here every damn week because he's yep. just the best player in the NBA or the second best at the worst case scenario. So yep. deal with it. <laughs> so Giannis had 69 points this week. Nice. Nice. (laughs) As an average of 34.5. He averaged 11 rebounds, four assists, and he averaged 69% on field goal percentage. Nice. Nice. 69. I like that number. (laughs) The double 69. I like it. (laughs) Um, He was 25 of 31 from the free throw line. Oh, that's nice. That's That's higher than 69. That's very nice. That's 81%. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Our goal was like seventy. Yeah, he he, he dude, I'd be so happy with seventy. But shooting eighty-one percent is nice. Um, he finished with a plus eight. Um, so I have a question for you. Mike almost was was really tiptoeing around it, talking about guard needs to you know experiment with more lineups. Mm-hmm. Why are we not experimenting more with Giannis at the five? Is my question. I've okay, so I've I've had this come up a little bit. When I actually wrote an article last week, if the bar, if the Bucks should trade Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and Marjan Bochamp for Marcus Smart, and one of the persons that was replying to me on Twitter was saying we don't have the front court depth for it, and I said at that situation Giannis would become our backup center, and, and I'm here for it. What I will say on the subject of why we don't do it more, first of all, it's because we have Bobby Portis. Second of all, it's because Brooke Lopez has been so damn good defensively. That's okay. why I would say. That's also fair. Uh, Brooke Lopez continues to show that he's had the best back surgery ever. And, and his defense is so good that he's going to play as many minutes as he's capable of. My only thing with Giannis at the five is obviously we know that basketball has kind of become positionless over the last mm-hmm. 10 years, right? And putting Giannis at the five gives you a small ball lineup where you still have everybody on the floor that can handle the ball, right? And that is something that, you know, you look at the top teams, like you look at Jokic, his ability to handle the ball at the five really changes how you defend everything. So as Chris gets healthier and, you know, obviously we're going to get Jay Crowder back. And I think that's that's kind of the thing that's kind of holding it back in my opinion, because, Jay Crowder, he he can bang down low, but he can also defend on the perimeter, yep. so that makes a big difference. And this is where, you know, everybody's talking about trading for P.J. Tucker. And, like, I'm okay with it, but, like, we need to, like, chill on, like, just throwing players away for right. P.J. Tucker because we have good feelings attached to a player. People, we don't make trades based on emotions, okay? I just want right. to put that out there. You know, yep. just, like, we don't fire people based on your emotions after a loss. Like, we need to relax. This mm-hmm. is why we always tell you to take a step back from the game. You know, realize that 
you're alive and you're a human being and like this is real life and we are not playing on an Xbox or a PlayStation. This is this is real. Yep. So we need to chill. I do think that Giannis at the five is an experiment that needs to happen. I'm not at all trying to take Brooke off the floor. I just think that situationally it could be a thing that could benefit the Bucks and create more spacing for Dame Lillard on offense. So that's uh that's just my opinion on that. I don't know how you I feel think- about that. The last thing I'll say on it before you continue is I do think having Jay Crowder back does give you that option to use it um, mm-hmm. because Jay Crowder can switch one through five. Yep, I agree. If you that. have Giannis on the floor, you're looking at putting him out there with Dame, Beasley, Chris, and then Pat, Marjan, Campaign. Yeah. You have nobody else who's guarding anybody bigger than a four or five. Yeah, I agree. So that at that point, you need to have Bobby or Brooke on the floor. So once Jay Crowder is back, maybe um, I could see it more. With Pat Connaughton, maybe. I don't love Pat Connaughton guarding power forwards, but for very brief periods of time, he can he can hold his own for a little bit, yeah. but not more than three or four possessions. Yeah, you know, especially in a small ball lineup where, like, he's 6'4", right. and he's going against a guy that's 6'6". Six, six. I mean, that's that's fair, right? That's so. a smart time. Josh Josh asked when Jay comes back. Uh, right now, it looks like mid-January. Yeah. So, That's I mean, original he's, timetable. he's going to be back pretty soon. So, I mean, again, playoffs don't start by mid-January, so everybody can just – Oh, do it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Hold off on it. Hold off on it. Hold off on it. Let's mm. let's let's have this discussion after right, the – Hurry up. Okay? Hurry up. So, uh, <laughs> my next one is Bobby Portis. Uh, Bobby had, you know – a poor performance you know by his standards and our standards for bobby uh against the pacers but he bounced back against the bulls right uh he averaged 10 and a half 6.5 0.5 uh he shot 9 of 16 from the field uh 104 from three he did finish minus 10 but you know it is what it is uh my underrated performer is a guy that did not score in the pacers game but he showed and this is a guy that we didn't name with the small ball lineups by the way a guy who's six seven um, he showed what he can do. On defense, but yeah, yeah. Um, he tries. <laughs> he he had twelve points, five rebounds, and three assists against the Bulls. He shot four or six from the field, four or five from three. Um, he he was a minus one for the plus minus because he was a zero against the Bulls, but he was a minus one against the Pacers. He barely played against the Pacers. He played four right. minutes against the Pacers. So uh, don't take any of that into account. He shot one shot. It is what it is. You can't really yep. get into a rhythm in four minutes in a basketball game, right. shooting one shot coming off the bench. That's so, terrible, essentially. Yeah. So I'll say that A.J. Green uh, is looking like a super sleeper. So what do you got? So my first – I'm going to do my underrated performer first because it ties in with A.J. Green and Bobby Portis. Mine is yeah. the bench. I went with the bench as the underrated performer because yeah. they were very tough against Indy, and they bounced back big against the Bulls. So against the Pacers, they scored 13 points, had two assists, and six rebounds. The entire bench. I like that. That's not good at all. Bobby yeah, Porter should be able to do that by himself. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's... Ugh. But... I have it written down. Yeah, against the Bulls, 36 points, eight assists, and 12 rebounds. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'll take that every single game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you don't want to say it about Reggie Miller? 
What? Jake, we talked about this a really little bit, the fact that they put a, a former Pacer on a neutral site Pacers-Bucks game is a little... The, the words I have to describe how dumb that is is not even safe for this show. And we don't really even talk about, like, not what to say and what not to say, but I'm going to tell you right now, my opinions on it are not good. Yeah. It felt like a rig job, I'm going to be honest. It'd be a little bit different if you put, like, Marcus Johnson next to him. Yeah, like, kind of like what they did with baseball. Remember when they did that with the Brewers when they were on Peacock? Yeah. Where they had they had the, the Phillies, you know, play-by-play yep. announcer next to Bill Schroeder. Like, that was cool. That's awesome. I, like I love that. it. Yeah. I get insider info on the Phillies that I never get to hear. And you get and to then, hear their perception of our players. Yeah, and then and then vice versa, right? That's yep. cool. Yep. I like that idea. But yep. throwing a four like one of the best players in their franchise history, like on the ESPN call, like what are we doing here? Yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. Let's put Michael Red on the next uh Bucks Lakers game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, my power pair, I have Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez averaged 18 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, three and a half blocks. Hell yeah. He was three or 13 for 30 from the field. That's 43%. Five of 16 from three. That's 31%. And six of nine on free throws. That's 67%. So his percentages lead me to believe that he could have put up even bigger numbers. I agree. Because I think he's better than 50, 30, 67, or 40, 30, 67. I agree with that. So I think his his potential is even bigger numbers. Then my other one is Chris Middleton. He averaged 16.5 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.5 steals in approximately 30 minutes a game. So his he's almost 100%. He's still on a slight minute restriction. I think once he's 100%, he's going to be playing 32 to 35 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um. He does need to get his turnovers down, but he is not alone in that aspect of this uh, this sport. No. He is not the only player on the Bucks that needs to get his turnovers down. As a team, everybody does. Agreed. That said, this 16 and a half, 10 and 5, we, I said this a couple weeks ago, we are getting a new version of Chris Middleton this year. Yes. We will not have 25 and 5, Chris. We are going to have like a 17... Seven and seven, Chris. Which is plenty okay as long as he I will give him credit for this. He competed really, really hard on defense against the Bulls. He did. Yep, you're correct. And he crashed the boards like a madman. Man, we'll talk about that for sure. On the week on the two games, he was twelve of twenty-four from the field, fifty percent, four of eight from the three point line, fifty percent, and five of six on on free throws, eighty-three percent. I'll take so that. All 50, day. 50, 83. I will take that literally any single time. Yep. If he shoots that during the season, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, with, like you said, with effort on defense and rebounding. Agreed. So, do you want to have a conversation first? Um, Cody said Lopez's surgeon is still the leading MVP. Absolutely. That's what I said before. He gets, still has the best back surgery ever. Do you want to have this playoffs conversation first or do you want to do it at the end? Let's talk Bucks Pacers because I have a few things I want to point out. If what I think they need to fix going into the playoffs, and then we can talk playoffs. Okay. All right. Bucks Pacers. What stood out to you from Thursday night? So first of all, God, I don't understand. This is the one thing that I don't understand. Probably the one negative thing I'm going to say about the team. 
I don't understand how a team with Giannis and Damian Lillard can get sped up by another team. These guys are all timers, okay, at their respective positions. Mm. How the hell does neither one of them take control and be like, all right, listen, I understand we have a new coach, all this other blah, 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 right? One of us needs to take charge right here, okay? They need to decide, like, okay, Giannis is cooking this game, right? He has 37 points. Mm-hmm. Giannis, this is your night. When Damian Lillard gets going, Dame, this is your night. Yep. A la Wade and LeBron their first year. Yeah. That's always the example I go to because that was literally two people in their prime coming together. Two top 75 played, players. Yeah, who, like, didn't play with, like, a player as good as that. Like, I understand that Wade played with Shaq. But that yeah. wasn't like Shaq. He played with second half career Shaq. Yeah, like that was the beginning of the end for Shaq, right? Like he was still good, but like he wasn't Shaq. You know what I'm saying? He, so he averaged fewer points than Antoine Walker in the 2006 finals. Yeah, so I mean, there's that. Um, and that version of Shaq was not better than the version of LeBron that Wade got. That's my opinion on right. That. He's not he's not better than either version of Giannis or Dame currently. Right. Exactly. So. At this juncture, I think that one of them needs to figure out, like, okay, this is your night tonight. We're gonna we're gonna follow your suit. I'm still gonna do my thing. If you need me, like, let's figure this out together. And that's you know yeah. kind of the, the the nuances that they're going through, right? Yep. On top of that, this is why I bring up the the Giannis at the five. But I understand when I say this that when Giannis falls down and he's not getting foul calls or he gets knocked down, like they get, we get a lot of like mismatch situations with four on fives, right? And the mm-hmm. Pacers obviously play the fastest pace in the league. Yep. I mean, it literally just like makes sense with their name, to be honest yeah, with you. In the name. <laughs> but the Bucks need to get back on transition defense, dude. Like I'm yep. almost to the point where I'm just like, okay, this is getting kind of ridiculous, right? Um, the Pacers didn't even like shoot crazy. Like they they only made seven three pointers, but they ended up scoring 128 points. So that tells me that they're getting way too many easy points in transition. Yep. Which fast break it says 11 points, but that's the thing. You have to watch the game. You can't just look at the box score, right? Yeah. You can get secondary breaks out of fast secondary break. Secondary break. Yep. Absolutely. Switching. So. That's the thing where you have to watch the game to understand where they're getting these easy buckets. They scored 72 points in the paint, dude. Unacceptable. Fast break doesn't count points after made baskets either because they got secondary breaks off of made baskets. That, to me, is the unacceptable part. Yeah, agreed. Um, They went 21-25 from the free throw line. Uh, They out-rebounded us. They had 30 assists to 10 turnovers. I mean, that's just – you're telling me they controlled the pace of the game from the tip to be honest with you. Um, I'm really happy not to, like, jump too far ahead, but I'm happy we're playing them at home tonight. That'll be a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, But uh, those are are the things that really stuck out to me. The Bucs have to fix this transition defense. Yeah. And Dame and Giannis have to figure out, like, okay, listen, Giannis, this is is your team, but tonight's my night, okay? Right. And Giannis will absolutely be okay with that. Right. So – Let's figure that out. Let's figure out the transition defense. Those are the two things that I really only have bugaboos with. And right. I'm not even that mad at Giannis and Dame. I'm just like pointing right. that out, you know, for conversation. I'll say it. I think it kind of it reminds me of the fact that like Giannis is inviting Dame over to his house, like, hey, let's go through film together. Let's it's part of it is 
time. Yeah. You know, and yeah. having the the sense of, you know, like he's got it going. Yeah. Obviously, we can tell when, when Dame Lillard is cooking. Obviously, we know in the clutch he's been the best in the yeah. NBA. Yeah. But to, to have the feel of it, literally game to game, it is going to take some time. And I will say if they could figure out a way, you know, where it's like just just to let each other know, like, you know, like if Dame says to Giannis, like, Dame time, that means, like, I'm feeling it. Like, I feel really good. Like, my shots feel good. You know, I, my rhythm feels good. You know, my energy feels good. And if Giannis can look at, at Dame and say, unseen freaky hours, yeah, right. And, and Damian Lillard knows that Giannis means like I'm feeling it right now. Yeah. Outside of just looking at again, just looking at box scores and and points, like just having the feel for the game. If they can communicate that to each other, and you know, in some doesn't have to be a code word, but to have some sort of you know trigger to be like, hey, like I'm feeling really good. Like let's let's work together to get me the ball because I'm feeling it. Agreed. Uh, I will say both teams got off to a fast start. In this game, uh, Indiana started 6 of 10. The Bucks started 7 for 11. Um, Giannis and Brooke, Chris Middleton, all got off to good starts. And then both teams got a little bit sloppy after that. Yep. Uh, going into the second half, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton, three-pointers, cut the lead down to seven. Uh, Bucks got the lead down to four, went into a zone, and forced a shot clock violation. Uh, Bucks got a one-point lead at one point with an 11-0 run, and I will say, as far as the zone defense is concerned, having a Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis bottom line is interesting. You know, we talk about having small ball lineups, and that's one of the things that people wanted to bring PJ Tucker back for. It's one of the things we just talked about Jay Crowder with is using Giannis at the five to play small ball. But right now, we have depth in the front court to to use Brooke and Bobby on the floor at the same time, and we have Giannis. Like, we can put, say, you know, obviously keep Dame on the floor, but Andre Jackson Jr., Marjan Bochamp, Chris Middleton, even A.J. Green, like you said, and and be team all length. Yeah. Andre and make Jackson a big Jr. boy lineup. And, and make teams adjust to that. Agreed. Because that's something that is not done in the NBA very much at all. True. Um, I, I think Denver can do it a little bit with Aaron Gordon and Jokic and Michael Porter Jr., but not quite the same thing. Agreed. It's not two power forwards and a center on the floor. True. So that – I don't think the turnovers were a problem in this game. They did give up 20 points off turnovers, but I can live with 12. The fact is you have to get back on defense after them. Indiana was efficient in converting them. Yep. Um, Brooke Lopez inside versus outside the three-point line. Inside, four for seven. Outside, three for ten. And he started two for two, which means he went one for his next eight. That's, that's rough. That's rough. Damian Lillard, inside versus outside. He was three for 11 on the inside, four for nine on the outside, 44%. So, opposite. Um, and he was only six of six at the free throw line. Damian yeah. Lillard did not get whistles. Agreed. Um, and that's one of those things where – Damian Lillard is one of those guys who's going to talk to refs when he's feeling that he's not getting calls. And it's one of those things that unfortunately, sometimes it is necessary to work the refs a little bit. You see Chris Middleton does it a lot. And, and it works for the Bucks, And it's I an was, IQ thing, I will say, to a point. I was pointing it out, man, during the, the Pacers game. I was like, you know, Giannis takes so long at the free throw line that Damian Lillard has time to say everything he needs to say, bro. 
Yeah. So if if he has like, hey, this guy's guarding me like this, he's riding my hip, uh, he keeps yep. grabbing my arm when I drive when I drive right, you know, like that stuff. Like he gets to say yep. all that stuff when Giannis at the free throw line. Yep. So like, people want to complain, but that's a huge advantage for the Bucks. Yeah, and it's a it's a necessary thing to talk to the refs to say, hey, like he's bumping me when I come off screens or you know stuff like that to to yeah. get the refs to look for those things versus just screaming at a ref to call a foul. It's it's not the same thing. Talking to a ref and screaming at a ref complaining for calls is not the same thing. Yeah, he he's very professional about it, I'll say that. Unless yeah. he feels like he's getting screwed, which like who doesn't react like that, right? Right. But like I'm we haven't seen Damian Lillard like lose his temper and scream at an official. No, he's he's been awesome so far in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know what it is. TJ McConnell has something against Milwaukee. It's annoying. It is what it is. He slowed down, but he got off to a good start with it, which is whatever. But yeah. 20 points off turnovers, 23 second chance points for Indiana. That number Jeez. has to come down. Jeez. And then seven missed free throws, that's 50 fundamental failure points. I think that's the third 50 fundamental failure game that we've had this year. That's not good. That's not good. Jeez. So that, I will say, Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner – in addition to being two really good players, it's one of the most productive duos in the NBA. For a reason. Right. Um, and then I just want to look at bench. This is the bench game. Indiana had 30 or 43 points off the bench. The Bucks had 13. And then <laughs> the plus minuses of this game is really weird. Mm-hmm. Like Indiana's bench took advantage of our bench so much to the point that Tyrese Halliburton, who had 27 points, 15 rebounds and, or sorry, 15 assists and no turnovers, his plus minus was zero. Like that's, that's how much our starters went, you know, tit for tat, mano a mano, head to head. All the starters were basically even. But then you look at the bench, Benedict Matherin was plus 17. Aaron Neesmith was plus 16. Isaiah Jackson was plus 14. That's the, the, the benches decided this game. They did. And then third quarter offense was actually really awesome. The Bucks had 43 points in the third quarter. They were 14 to 25 from the field. That's 56%. 6 to 10 from 3 is 60%. 9 to 10 from the free throw line. It's 90%. 43 points. Love it. And then before we move on from this game, I want to know your thoughts on the Bobby Portis-Adrian Griffin exchange after. I'm okay with it. Uh <laughs> Bobby Portis, you know, he t- in in his quote when he was asked about it, he talks about he thinks he's one of the leaders of the team, mm-hmm. and that is absolutely true. Bobby Portis is 100% one of the most important players on this team for everybody that just wants to freaking get rid of him for fucking loaf of bread for some goddamn reason. Um, Bobby Portis, you know, going in the locker room, he he's a guy, he's the heart, you know, and you could tell mm-hmm. uh, he, he is that because that's the way he plays. You know, yep. it could be he could literally just come into the game and he gets two offensive rebounds and he gets fouled. But I'll tell you what, when he screams and he's pounding his chest, what does that do to, to the forum? Dude, I told wow. you. I told you. He can come into a game where the Bucks are down eight points and make it feel like they're up eight. Yeah, he can. And that's that's the Bobby Porras effect. I'm okay with it. I like it. There's nothing wrong with challenging people. Right. Okay? And to be great, you have to challenge yourself. This Bucks mm-hmm. roster, obviously, we know it's loaded with talent all over the place. Yeah. It's okay to be challenged, right? Now it's it's time for them to you know answer that challenge. So yeah. 
I'm okay with it. I don't know why everybody thought the sky was falling or it was such a bad thing or teams were fighting or whatever, but I will say this about Adrian Griffin. He needs to get a little bit tougher on the players, dude. He, I'm okay with what he's doing right now. Like, it's fine that he's, you know, okay, I'm going to listen to you. I have an open-door policy. That's a good thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, he also needs to, to let them know, like, listen, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to take your opinion in. I'm going to make sure that you feel heard. But this is my goddamn show, and right. I'm the conductor. Yeah. That's the thing about the Bulls of the 90s. You know, I watched a lot of stuff on them. Phil Jackson was great because he was not scared of Michael Jordan, no matter how fucking good that guy was. Right. Listen, like, <clears throat> this is my shit. We're going to run my goddamn offense. I don't care yeah. what you say to me. Bill That's Russell and Red Auerbach were very similar. Yeah. Where Bill Russell could go to Red Auerbach with with input, and it would be like, okay, I hear it. Mm-hmm. I will take it into account, but the decision is still mine. And I think what this comes down to is why people had such a problem with it is because they're only looking at it from one side. They're only looking at it at one angle where it's Bobby Portis is criticizing the coach. That's the only angle that a lot of people looked at. And unfortunately there's media that looked at it that way too. And they're like, Oh, there's bucks turmoil in the locker room. No, that's not what this is. This is guys that want to win because Bobby Portis didn't just go and say, Hey, Adrian Griffin, you need to be a better coach. That was not the end of this. Mm Mm-hmm. Bobby Portis said Adrian Griffin needs to call more plays for the end of games so that they have a more solid end of game plan. Bobby Portis also said that we, meaning the players, need to execute. Yeah. So Bobby Portis isn't just criticizing the coach and wanting the coach fired, which is something I saw people saying, well, sounds like Bobby Portis might want Adrian Griffin gone. No. Bobby Portis wants the best from everybody. Including himself. Exactly. And that, to me, that sounds like a guy that wants to win. That's what I got out of it, is that there's a locker room full of guys that want to win. Yeah. Okay. Great. Anything else you want to say on the Pacers game? Or... Nah, we need to get a win, though, because it's them winning against us getting a little annoying. Oh, God. Let's not not for the fact of, like, I because I can't hate Indy. I like a lot of their players. I know they're in our right, And I like their play style. Yeah, and I, they're fun to watch. But hearing people on the internet be like, Indy owns Milwaukee. Oh, my God. Uh, and team two, this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about right now. Well, I hope we don't play them in the playoffs. Can we stop with this shit? Stop with this. Oh, I hope this isn't a problem in the playoffs. The playoffs are not played in mid-December. No. We, I, I fucking hate that I've had to say this since the end of November. That the playoffs don't happen until April. The playoffs are not played at the end of November. The playoffs are not played in the beginning of December. The playoffs are not played in the middle of December. The playoffs are played in the middle of April. And if you think the way that this team is playing now, all their tendencies, their learning curve, all of that is going to be the exact same four months from now, there's nothing I can do to help you except tell you to turn your television off until the playoffs start. The team today is not going to be the same team when we turn the calendar four times there's a lot of days in there we have an extra day this year so there's a lot of days in there oh plus an extra day wow yeah it's not even like the playoffs are two weeks away and they're still tuning up for the playoffs we're still four months away we are one third of the way into the season that's not a lot by the way not that's not (laughs) a lot 
we still have twice as much time to go as has currently been played. Yep. Okay. Let's do it. Let's talk about the home game. We got a W, which that's the bottom line. W, don't care how or who, still counts as one. Yeah. We could beat the Celtics by 50 or the Bulls by four in overtime. Counts as one W. It does. And it counts as one conference win. It does. Both of the, them would if we beat the, the Celtics. Thing, the thing about the Bulls is that also counts as a division win. So that okay. actually means a little bit more if you think about it. A little it. bit. I mean, if you win your division, you get in the playoffs, guaranteed. So right. there's that. Um, so let's talk about it. Uh, first thing I'm going to point out is the Bulls shot 114 times. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, Indiana took 102 shots. So in <laughs> all in all, 216 shot attempts from opponents this week in two games. That's weird. Because, uh, whatever. That's we weird. took 182 compared to 216. So, I mean, really, I mean, they shot like almost 40 more. I mean, what is that, like 35? I mean, you look at the second chance points. I brought it up 23 for Indiana, 21 for Chicago. Yeah, that's not great. Um, so then you get to Dan, uh, Dame and Giannis. Dame – because we got to talk about that every game, in my opinion. Uh, Dame had a rough shooting game, but he he stayed he stayed in, and he's been he's been competing on defense more than you know the average mm-hmm. fan wants to talk about. I'll say that um, he is trying to buy in on the defensive end, so I think that might be having an effect on his offensive game. To be completely honest with you, that's fair to say, in my opinion. Um, Giannis, another tremendous game, nine of thirteen. I mean, what else can you say about this guy? Uh, 32 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Guy's just phenomenal. Uh, Chris Middleton, okay? I'm going to let you have have the bulk work of this. But, man, I really wanted to point out that he was competing his ass off on the defensive end. Mm -hmm. And that is a really big thing for me personally, who's somebody who scrutinizes him from time to time, maybe unfairly most of the time. But – for him to compete as hard as he did, score 13 points, grab 13 rebounds, and still dish out six assists, a couple of really, really nice passes, by the way. Um, that that was great to see. Brooke Lopez with 19 points, always nice. <laughs> Mikhail Beasley. Malik. Malik, sorry. I He's going to be my, my guy now. I'm just going to mess his name up the whole season, just like I do with Peralta. I love that guy, dude. I love his swag so much, dude. Like, I didn't realize how much, like, <laughs> How fun he is. Like, he's fun. I I love Beasley. I'm quickly becoming one of my favorite players. Uh, Bobby Portis and the entire bench bounced back very nicely, I will say. Um, against the Pacers, they shot 6 of 17. Against the Bulls, they shot 14 of 23. Mm. Much, much better. Yep. You go to the three-pointers, 0 of 4 against the Pacers, 6 of 11 versus the Bulls. That's oh. big time. Big, big time. So, um, yeah, just good stuff. We had 34 assists to 11 turnovers. Love that. And my final thing I'm going to say, like I said, we allowed 72 points in the paint versus Indiana. 42. 30 less points in the paint for the Bulls. That's that's pulling your damn pants up and being like, all right, that's enough of this shit. Yeah. Um. Okay. So look at the first half. Bucks scored 74 points in the first half. That's the second most in the season. Yeah, it is. That was sick, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Two things that stood out to me about this. 
for for the first half. The Bucks were 12 of 20 on threes in the first half, which is awesome. One turnover. One first half turnover. Absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. They yeah, finished with 10, which isn't, or sorry, they finished with 11. 10 of them were in the second half. Obviously, if you could flip that, I would choose to do so, but yep. it's not a not a huge deal. They still finished with 11 turnovers. Anytime they're under 13, I'm happy. Agreed. Um, so, second half, Bucks only scored 13 points in the third quarter and had five turnovers. Their lead was down to two points. Um, the offense got to slow down a little bit. They had four points in the first four minutes of the third quarter. That's a little tough. Mm-hmm. Um, in the fourth quarter, the game did get tied at 105 with five minutes to go. And you brought up Chris Middleton and his defense. First of all, should have been a block. He blocked Amar DeRozan. The fact that they called that a blocking foul, stupid. You're stupid. DeMar DeRozan initiated that contact. I don't know where else they expect Chris Middleton to go or be. And he hit all ball and spiked the ball off of DeMar DeRozan's face. Yep. That should have been a clean block. That should not have been a foul in any situation. Agreed. Then, with three minutes and nine seconds left and the Bucks up two points, Chris Middleton drew a charge. Love to see that effort. Yeah, you do. Um, I will say there was, even before that bad DeRozan call, the possession before that, the Bucks on offense, Brooke Lopez got called for an offensive foul for a moving screen because he screened the guy that was guarding him. He screened Vucevic, and the guy guarding Damian Lillard, I don't remember if it was Kobe White or if it was Io DeSumo or somebody else, but they ran into Vucevic, so they called Brooke Lopez for an offensive foul. Stupid. Agreed. This is a stupid call. I agree. Um, Good. That was going to be an easy freaking couple points right there. Right. It was, yeah, it was a layup. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that offensive foul was just stupid. Um, getting to overtime, the Bulls had their first lead 119, 118. The Bucks went, got the lead right back. Uh, Bucks went on an 8 0 run, actually, following that uh, one point Chicago lead. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Bucks are now 11 and 1 at home. They lead the NBA in close game wins. Um, Chris Middleton finished one rebound shy of his career high. And my thing is, we know that Damian Lillard is going to bounce back. We do. The Bucks had seven missed free throws again, only eight points off turnovers. That's fantastic. Anytime that number's under 12, I'm happy. Yep. They get up 21 second chance points, which is high. But I will say... Andre Drummond is a very good rebounder. Nikola Vucevic is a solid rebounder, and they have some athletic guys. Yeah. So I'm not super concerned. Like, I put them in kind of the same category as the Knicks when it comes to rebounding. Like, they have rebounders. I That's mean, when you, when you have Drummond on your team, you should, you know, compete on the boards. That's all that guy does. Yeah. Um, and then just the fact that, of course, Andre Drummond is going to make his free throws. And DeMar DeRozan is going to make his threes. Just happens against the Bucks, Right. It's like, oh, okay, of course. Here we go. Um, <laughs> 36 fundamental failure points. Not bad. Not bad at all. You can live with that. That's 38 little, is the mark to beat from last season. So, I think livable area is that mid-30s range. Right. And Yeah. 
I mean, two years ago it was 33. Last year it was 38. So if they're around 35, I'm okay with it. I'm with that. Okay. So the Bucks play, obviously, tonight. And then they have Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday. All home games. Yep. So starting with the Pacers tonight. Then they play Detroit Saturday, Houston Sunday, San Antonio Tuesday, the first Giannis-Wemby matchup. Uh, what are you looking at for a record prediction in those four games? Well, I'll tell you right now, they're guaranteed two. The Pistons okay. and the Spurs, because they're just not good. <laughs> um, Houston, a little, little upstart Houston. That's an interesting mm-hmm. game. But Indiana's really the only questionable one. I'm going to say that Dame's going to have a revenge game. I really wanted to bring that up for you. He's going to – he said be humble. Uh, I think Halliburton might get humbled tonight with the home crowd. Hopefully they're nice and loud today. Um, so I'm going to say 4-0. and I'm going to say Ooh. Dame has a huge bounce back game. Goes for 40. Ooh, I like it. I'm going to say 3-1. and I'm going to say the Bucks dropped the Houston game. Just because mm-hmm. there's the second of a back to back, like I'm yeah. sure somebody's gonna sit out. And Houston is young, like they might just come in and just catch one. Yeah, that's, that, kind, of that's... I, I kind of just the feel that I got. Like Houston's just gonna come in and catch a win. Just that's catch that's one. an interesting game. It really is. The yeah. Houston game is tough to predict, man. Because I, I can't it, lie, I like Shengun. I like yeah, the way he plays. He's not, dude. You can't like we can like players on other teams. He's fun to watch too. Yeah. Yep. He, he okay. dude. I can't believe he dunks on people with the way that he runs and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? How do you get dunked on by that guy? <laughs> he's he's fun. Yeah, I yeah. agree. He's fun. Yeah. All righty. Other than that, we want to give, again, another shout-out. Thank you to Cardboard Legacy. We officially have another sponsor for 2024. We are very excited about it. Uh, they are going to sponsor the show, and they are going to sponsor our play breakdown specifically. So we're excited for that. Um, that's going to start on January 1st. So we're really looking forward to that being part of our, uh, part of our sponsorship. Uh, it's, it's good to have, obviously we're going to need, uh, going to need partnerships like that for us. If, if Jake and I want to continue growing and at making this show a living in the future. So, uh, thank you to cardboard legacy for joining us as a sponsor. Other than that, Jake and I will be back on Friday night with Simon and Bryant to talk about the Packers loss to the giants and preview their game against the Buccaneers. And then Jake and I will be back next Wednesday to talk about Bucks and Badgers. Yes, sir. All right. Have a good night. Thanks. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.